when it comes to addiction is really not about a willpower thing, which we've learned is really about rewiring the circuits, that plain pleasure pathway. It just, the goal is to make people stay together, right? Having been someone who was in the military, I get it, but you also have to use empathy and kindness and Mm -hmm. this thing right here that God has blessed you with. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't make sense, then it doesn't make, Mm -hmm. exactly, that's it. Baby Gorgeous, welcome to Bravo and Please, where we're going to get lit off all the latest going on in the Bravo TV world. This is a safe and uncensored space to discuss our love for everything pop culture and 420 related. So grab your can of goodies and let's get lit. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We have Dr. Contessa Metcalf, MD, MSPH, ABPM. Girl, you got the whole alphabet in your name. I Alpha female. <laughs> no, I, that is amazing. I love that. It's so Thanks. great. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just want to give a disclaimer before we jump into it. This is not medical advice. Always consult with your physician if you're listening. Follow your state and local cannabis laws. Um, they are different everywhere you go. And um, please do not be alarmed if you see me starting to fan myself because I'm known as a sweaty bitch. <laughs> but let's get into it. So we have Dr. Contessa Metcalf. So MSPH stands for Master of Science in Public Health. Yes. And ABPM stands for American Board of Preventative Medicine. Yes. And you are the owner of Chastain Integrative Medicine. Yes. You are a superwoman. You're not, oh, not only this, you, you're a doctor, you're a mother of three children, mm-hmm. and you just did a, a fitness competition. Yes. You really are superwoman. I'm like, I just want to clap for you. Oh, you're so sweet. I am. I am a work in progress every single day. I just, oh. every day I'm just, I wake up and I actually say, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm happy for every opportunity. I'm help, happy for every day I have on this earth that I'm healthy, wealthy, strong. You know, I speak all that into existence. I, I say, you know, I look in the mirror and I say, I'm healthy. I say, I, there's nothing wrong with me. I have no problems with my finances. I have no problems in my marriage. My kids are healthy. They are strong. They are beautiful. They're peaceful. I try to do all that positive self-talk because I think honestly, it does make a difference. I mean, it does. I, you know, we talked, I don't, we talked a lot offline. So um, I was in the military and so because I was in the military and it was like the height of opposite, you know, OIF, OAF, which was, of course, the Iraq and Afghanistan war, mm-hmm. I saw so many people, so many young kids coming back with all these traumatic injuries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking like 19, 20 year olds who had traumatic brain injuries who won't mm-hmm. be able to essentially live like the life that they intended for themselves and even people right. dying. I mean, I remember seeing and hearing about like the first doctor who died. You know, and it was just crazy to me. And so I feel like now I have to like be grateful and live in this yes. space of gratitude. And so, I mean, it is it, really, is not about being arrogant or anything. It's really about just being grateful. And I speak yeah. these things into existence because if not, you know, we know, you know how this is, this world, especially after the last couple of years of COVID, you can get sad, you get overwhelmed, you get, mm-hmm. you know, you get stressed out. 
And so I got to combat yeah. that. I know that's something that I'm kind of predisposed to because I did, I suffered from a lot of sadness. I did. I went through mm-hmm. some periods about some depression and some anxiety and things. And I just had to like figure out some way to like pull myself out of the abyss. And so that yeah. fitness competition in particular, that was more of like, to me, believe it or not, it was a mind over matter thing. Yeah. Because it's, oh, it is, you just have to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a so lot. that's why, yeah. So that's why I say all these things. So it, it works out for me. I just love everything you say because I like relate so hard <laughs> to so many things you say. And I'm just like, yes, girl. Yes. So <laughs> The intention, I want to talk about why we're here today. And the intention of Bravo and Blaze, my podcast, is really to bridge the gap between mainstream pop culture media and the true cannabis industry, as I see it, as an extension of health and wellness. And as far as my background goes, you know, formally, I received my Bachelor of Science in Information Technology with a concentration in electronic media, arts and communications from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. RPI, baby! You know RPI? Oh my gosh, yes. So look, you know, we won't talk about it, but my boyfriend before Scott actually went to RPI. He's an engineer and he always bragged about how it was one of the most difficult schools to get into. And oh yeah, RPI, baby. Yes, RPI is the it? Yes, it is. And not a lot of people know. Yeah, Yeah, it's a small (laughs) school. And when I tell people like, yeah, MIT is like one of our competitors. Mm -hmm. They're like, What? That's it. No way. Yes, no. For sure. She's a smarty. She's a smarty (laughs) fan. Thank you. Well, professional experience includes 15 years of corporate IT consulting for big four firms with my last role managing the third largest global alliance behind SAP and Oracle, generating over 200 million in revenue annually, which I helped scale and grow from 70 million in less than four years. So I have a strong business background. However, in my personal life, I have always sought out this idea of ultimate wellness. Like what does that mean? Right. And growing up, I feel like our country, like we weren't taught proper nutrition, like physical health, but also definitely not emotional or mental health. And what I did is I pursued a study of nutrition and wellness entrepreneurship at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, where we learned, you know, about whole, like primary foods is what they called them and how, you know, the food that you put into your body is not just the, you know, food that you eat to survive, but also the things that feed your soul, feed your emotional health, you know, your spiritual health, your financial health, all of these things, because you can be, you know, the most physically healthy person in the world. But if you you know, have something else going on, you may not feel well, you know? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, that's actually, you know, you have to have those basic things like the food, you know, the, all your basic needs taken care of before you can reach like the pinnacle, which is self-actualization. And it's like, almost like people want to like skip over like the basic, like connectedness and food and like, you know, love and like, you know, security. Those those are the things you have to have. And you won't, even your, your mind won't even let you get past like that obsession with, I mean, just think about it. If you're hungry, then how can you study? Right. So that's kind of yeah. right. How do you, how do you get past like the fact that you are not, you have food insecurity or you, you're worried about whether or not you're going to be able to have somewhere to sleep tonight. How can yeah. you <laughs> worry about filling out a college application? I mean, oh, exactly. so just, yeah, so absolutely. It makes absolute perfect sense. 
Yeah. And so on this journey of, you know, ultimate wellness, I myself found found myself at a point where I was taking, you know, like four or five different prescription medications to manage my mental and emotional health. And I was also abusing alcohol, alcohol at this time. And for me, what I noticed was the answer that I kept getting from doctors that I was seeing was here, here's a pill for this. And here's another pill to help you with that pill. And then it was just like, so on and so on. I found myself, you know, like abusing alcohol. I was overweight. And this is after I've gone through, you know, my own education. I'm like, okay, clearly something is wrong here. And that's when, you know, a friend of mine reminded me like, hey, you know, some of the things that you're experiencing, people use weed for that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a mother and I'm a professional. Oh, yeah. Like, how can I do that? You know, like, I don't want to break the law. I don't want to have my children taken from me. I don't want to be shamed or judged. And so I just started researching, you know, the science behind cannabis. And over time, it took maybe about six to nine months. I was able to get off all of those prescription medications just from microdosing on cannabis, which literally I would like take a hit, walk away for two hours, work, come back, do it again, and, you know, whatever. So it wasn't like I was smoking blunt after blunt oh, yeah, to get for sure. high. Yeah, yeah, for you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. So, so I found, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like life-changing. And then the more research I found, the more, you know, medicinal benefits I found, the more I found out about prohibition, why it's even illegal to begin with. And that's when it was really life-changing for me. And I knew... I had to dedicate my life to this because there's so much injustice behind yeah. this plant and people are still suffering today. And yeah. I wanted to talk to you because for me, you know, I mentioned that I was abusing alcohol at one time. I'm currently 171 days California sober, which for whoever's not, whoever doesn't know, that means it's just, you know, I quit alcohol, but I still use cannabis. I medicate yeah. with that. And so, you know, during this time of legislation reform, Luckily, I'm in New York State where it's fully legal and New York and New Jersey just passed a law that states that child protective services can no longer use THC as sole basis or grounds to take children away from parents. Now, that is huge. huge. Like huge. since I became a medical marijuana patient, there, I mean, things have changed so much. And so yeah. I really wanted to use my platform here to bring awareness to these things and you know, obviously I'm a fan of the show. I, my dream job one day is to binge watch married to medicine from season one to now with I no interruption. <laughs> I haven't even seen the seasons before I was on it on purpose. I haven't, okay. I, because I really wanted to form my own relationships and my own opinions of the people who yeah. are, as opposed to like saying, Oh, Oh, this is who you are because this is yes. what happened between you and this person. And so I don't even know like a lot of the background of her things and things will come up, but on purpose, I didn't want to see yeah. or kind of like have this false belief of like who someone was. But going back to what you were saying, is it actually quite interesting because um, I grew, you know, one, I grew up super religious, right? My mom was apostolic and I grew up in the church and went to church three days a week and, you know, Sunday school, mm -hmm. vacation Bible school, church camps, oh. like most of my best friends were from church, yeah. but 
And, you know, my parents were both chronically ill, right? So my mom had breast cancer in her 20s and she ended up passing away ultimately from metastatic breast cancer in her 50s though, came back. Mm -hmm. um, and then my dad actually has Crohn's disease. And so he, he has suffered from Crohn's, has, several, has had probably 30 surgeries in his life because of Crohn's and colon resections, you name it, bowel, you know, small bowel resections. And, you know, he actually, because of his chronic illness and that chronic pain, that's how he got to be on drugs. And so he went to prison and he's been kind of all caught up in what we know now is that whole, like, you know, basically that addiction system. Yes. And you think it's really, you know, so my dad really was dealing with pain. Mm -hmm. And so he was looking for something to ease that pain. And of course, mm -hmm. even now, I mean, he's been on so many drugs that you can think of, but even now he says, and it's legal where he lives, that marijuana is the only thing that does soothe his pain. And it sucks wow. because if that would have been legal from the beginning, our family could have probably stayed together, right? Because that yeah. whole process of, of, you know, addiction. And I actually practice addiction medicine. And one of the reasons why I do that is almost as an homage to my father because we left, we lost so many years together yeah. because I believed that he chose drugs over our family and I believe mm. that he just was didn't love us enough and it was just because of this big bad monster that he was addicted to and I felt like he was selfish and mean and you know I hated it and I hated that whole idea of drugs because that's yes. what we were taught to do because that's his, yeah. like going back to the history of prohibition and all that stuff mm -hmm. but then and I almost felt like I had been just hoodwinked, bamboozled when I found out about the compassionate use program for the, from the United States government. When I found out that they have marijuana farms, that the government has been growing marijuana for patients. And I just, and that the government has a patent, mm -hmm. you know, they said the government that said there was no acceptable medical use actually holds a patent and was mm -hmm. distributing marijuana to people for free. Yes. And I just was shocked when I learned this. And I didn't mm -hmm. learn it in medical school. I learned it at a medical conference after, you know, now, since now is, of course, become more and more um, well known. And, you know, and now doctors are more comfortable talking about it. But I didn't know that. And I felt so ashamed of my judgment that yes. I had to go back, back and kind of unlearn all this stuff and start mm -hmm. reading myself and understanding yes. the history of how it happened. And then mm -hmm. I started thinking about how alcohol, I've seen so many patients in the hospital and on transplant list for, you know, liver failure and all the, the negative effects that alcohol does to your body. But I've never seen a patient in the hospital, you know, that is on a transplant list for, or some chronic, you know, illness for, um, for marijuana. I mean, I don't think it's safe for children. So period. That's hold up. We're going to hi editing Jenny here. I just want to respectfully say I don't necessarily agree that it is not recommended for children. I believe there are unique circumstances where it can be life-changing. I'm not saying it's for all children or just any child. Obviously, we should um, consult with a, their physician who knows all of their medical history, who has done the research or has the data to show what the um, pros are versus the cons. And I urge anyone wanting more information to watch Weed the People on Netflix. It's very informative and um, it's very eye-opening. But when it comes to adults and choice, for some reason, we don't feel the same about alcohol than we do about marijuana. And that's by design. And when I figured that out, it made me so ashamed because yeah. that's all I, I lived in this place of superiority and judgment. 
judgment as a doctor of patients who smoke marijuana or who used edibles and things. And so I'm learning and I have kind of like a lot of apologies to make. <laughs> and oh, I wish okay. I could go back in time and turn my, you know, my nose that was up in the air, just bring it back down and be like, <laughs> I can't believe I treated. And I went to a Catholic medical school, of course, as well. Went to um, Catholic college and a Catholic medical school. So that definitely you know, added to it, the religious aspect of, but again, alcohol is fine, but marijuana, which is completely natural. <laughs> it's a, a plant is not opium, you know, so you just understand that like everything can be weaponized and yes. I didn't know I was complicit in that. So, well, so that brings me to, I want to ask your thoughts on people. So you are specialized in addiction therapy. Yeah. And we're finding now some people like myself have been able to use cannabis to get off of alcohol, to get off of opioids, to get off of other drugs as a doctor in a state where cannabis is illegal. How, like, what are your thoughts on that? What are, what do you see as the future for your practice? Because at some point it may go legal. And I would, and honestly, the, I would say the problem is that right now, because of the fact that it's not legal here, everything is all data for me. It's all about anecdotal information. And so it's still almost kind of that whole, like kind of when you think about diet, right? Mm -hmm. What's the right diet? It all depends on the doctor that you talk to, right? Some doctors yeah. are really into keto and some doctors are into intermittent fasting and some doctors are against high protein. Some diets, you know, doctors are against meat at all. They should, you know, plant-based in which, so the, the challenge becomes, you know, how do you then, um, I'm sorry, my, I got, did not disturb on, but it's still, let me just, just turn it off. Um, it's okay. I don't know how to turn mine off either. Um, but yeah, but the, the challenge becomes being open and understanding how to critically analyze that data. Um, yeah. I do have the degree in, you know, public health, which is really a scientific degree. So I do, I rely a lot on data, but the data is almost unequivocal that there are some good studies out there showing that there is a way to do that. There is a way for you to, you know, for, cause that whole cannabinoid system is a pain pathway in our brains. Right. And mm -hmm. we know all about, you know, that you have to kind of rewire your system. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to addiction it's really not about a willpower thing, which we've learned is really about rewiring the circuits, that plain pet pleasure pathway, figuring yeah. out some way for people to, you know, what they've been using for plain and pleasure you know, when we're talking about opioids, mm -hmm. how to figure out some other way that's not so maladaptive that doesn't cause so much trauma to the body and to the brain. Um, and THC, you know, marijuana doesn't do that. So it makes sense. I just, unfortunately, in practice, because of where I live, yeah. I'm limited in my ability to kind of, you know, to try it. I do plan actually on um, going to you know, working with someone actually out of state. And I'm super excited about that opportunity just to see what they're doing, because there are yeah. a lot of integrative practices that are able to use and do some more, you know, like we talked about microdosing. There's mm -hmm. a lot of good data out there about microdosing that I'm just curious and very excited to see like yes. what it's doing, but patients are loving it and they're loving the life that they have afterwards. Because yeah. the problem with people when it comes to addiction is that they, and that's why even on my wall in my office, I have a big sign that says keeping families together. The problem is that people become isolated, right? And they get into this cycle where if I am suffering from addiction, everyone is mad at me 
They don't trust mm. me. And so the people who love me have then left me, right? But then the people who have left them miss you, but then they're like, I don't want to enable you, but I don't know how to help you. And so people then become, you know, isolated, but they also, the other people don't know how to help them. And so when you think about that from a parent standpoint, right? They lose their children. You think about that from a spouse standpoint, they lose their spouse. Parent standpoint, if you're an adult person, you know, you lose your adult parent and then your siblings. And so it just, the goal is to make people stay together, right? Is to make people functioning in the judgment part without understanding what all of these things are doing in our bodies and the purpose that we're serving, then we, we're just judging each other. And, you, you know, based on your testimony and your story, you are healthier, you're stronger, you're happier, you're more settled, you're peaceful, you're able to sleep and you're not anxious, depressed. And so why would I tell you to stop doing something that makes you feel good? And you're able to still have, you're taking care of your business, you pay your bills, you are a great mom. Why would I tell you that that's bad? Based on what? Just something that I learned, you know, in some propaganda. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on what you're doing, but that's what happens. It's like, oh my God, she does, she smokes weed. Yeah. And that's what we, but we have to stop doing that. We don't even dig yeah. in deeper and we're just so close-minded. And, and that's what I think we have to first, before anything else, we just have to open our minds up to say, maybe what we've been taught is not quite the full story. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to change it now. And it's just, it, we're censored so much on like social media, on, you know, different platforms, they shut down accounts that start talking about it because it's still federally illegal. So I'm hoping that, you know, we make some more progress. We've had a little bit of progress, but I'd still like to see the numbers and the outcome of, you know, what came from that. But I do have a question for you because during yeah. my research, after I decided I'm going all in into, you know, the cannabis industry, this is my way to help people and this world, you know, what I found was a lot of people told me they lie to their doctors about their cannabis use. Oh yeah. So do you feel like they, your patients lie to you? Not to me, not to me because I am so open about it. And that's one of the reasons why even like on the show, like I tease a little bit because when I went to California, actually, so just full disclosure, again, one of my biggest issues was I just used to call it anxiety, but it's also, I have severe insomnia. Like I literally could be up four or five o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. And I will just, in my sleep wake cycle has always, you know, I used to say I was a night owl, but that my mind, when I lay down is when I start thinking of everybody, everything I have to do, everything yes. that didn't get done. And so mm-hmm. that's anxiety by definition. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even realize it because I'm taking care of my business that right. I was having a problem but I don't, I mean, it's not healthy and it shortens your lifespan to not sleep. And mm-hmm. so going back to what you were saying, I have a cabinet full of prescription medicines that I'm afraid to take because the other fear for me and people have insomnia is I take something and then I oversleep and then I don't show up for work or do something I'm supposed to do the next day. So then mm-hmm. I prefer to suffer with insomnia, but then I'm drinking tons of coffee because I'm always sleepy yeah. and it's this whole cycle. So my friend told me, and my friend actually was this older lady who was literally almost seven years old was like try this edible right and I was in California and I said you know what why not yeah and when I did oh my god I went to sleep I in mm. my mind just I just was not 
it wasn't, I didn't feel high. I didn't feel giddy or any of those things. I just was chill. And the next morning I didn't have a hangover or anything like that. And it was, Mm -hmm. so I had, I've never actually smoked anything, but I did, I had an edible and I actually wish like I knew exactly because she had so many different ones. She was like indica and sativa and and Mm -hmm. so this was a hybrid, but I was like, so that was my first segue over into an edible. And so that's how I even opened up my mind to like, man, I wish I lived somewhere where they were legal because I would be doing this a lot more frequently, but that's so that was my journey and that's how I even started even reading and even finding out about the medical uses and then I even now have become a, a, a part of an organization of doctors that actually are open-minded to you know medical cannabis and you know exactly and it's they're out there there's a lot because okay. again we didn't know we were yeah. taught to be judgmental and mm-hmm. to say drugs are bad and people who do them are criminals and yeah. we had to we got to stop doing that to patients because it's not the whole story. And we never even learned in medical school really other than like a little, you know, second about the cannabinoid pain pathway and Mm -hmm. it's in our bodies. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't even understand it was, it's just basic science and I'm a scientist. So I know for a fact that there's so much that I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I, I do also know that I can, with my judgment, shut patients down. So I actively on purpose talk about this and talk about how I've tried it. And, and people start telling me stuff because they're like, well, you know what? My granddaughter sent me this <laughs> or, you know, I got it when I was out of town and I, you know, and mm-hmm. I have some. And so that's how I, it, it's, it's, so that's, I've even learned a lot from my patients. Yeah. And so for me, I'm, you know, I'm not closed-minded anymore. And I think that helps. And I even talk about it in a way that is non-judgmental. And I think that's the only way that people are going to be honest with you. And hopefully yeah. doctors can learn to do that because it actually is unsafe for us to not talk about herbals and, you know, yeah. um, supplements because supplements can interfere with medications. And if we talk, we're yes. really judgmental about how much people are drinking, then they won't tell you how much they're drinking. It's like, there's yeah. a paternalistic relationship that patients can sometimes have with their doctors, but that's actually unhealthy because mm-hmm. if I'm looking at you over my glasses with scorn, and saying, are you doing this? Cause you know, you shouldn't be then of course, like a child, you're gonna be like, no, I didn't do it. And it's not honest. And then you're in liver failure and we check your, your liver, you know, your liver function test and your, your labs are ridiculous. Cause you do, you drink a liter of alcohol a day. And then I just added to your, you know, I just added to your, your anxiety because the person that you should be safe to talk about everything with, which is your doctor just shut you down. So yeah. hopefully doctors, that's one thing. That's one skill that we have to learn that we have to learn to be more open mm-hmm. and receptive. And when patients come to t- talk to us to be more listeners and like, just tell me, just tell me everything. Yeah. Almost like a priest, as opposed to, you know, to someone who's judging because Confess a lot of times your sins are <laughs> just, just tell me, just tell me, no, just yeah. whatever. Like, I can't help you if I don't have all the information. Yeah. So if there are patients out there who, you know, really feel strongly about their medical marijuana use and they're scared to tell their doctors, do you have any like recommendations, suggestions for them? Should they just get a new doctor? It's not possible. You know, so I would say that, but that's, that that actually is so challenging right now because there is unfortunately a shortage of doctors and there's a shortage of even a, 
you know, like it's so many variables, right? So someone doesn't take your insurance. So what I would do is I would say, just like with anything else, you have to just be your own advocate. And doctors are, I just, you know, I'm telling you, we have hangups, we have our own biases and you have to sometimes ignore that and get what you need because you remember that you are the customer. Right. And so I need you to take care of me and you need to know everything. And despite what you believe, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have. This is what, you know, this is the why, because if you, if you don't, then sometimes you just don't get the care at all that you need, you know? Mm -hmm. So it is some, if you, it's possible for you to find a doctor that does everything for you that, and you have that great relationship with absolutely. But what I would say is forget that. Like, honestly, who cares what they think to some degree? Because we have, we're ethically bound to do our job, right? Yeah. And so the judgment, there's so much judgment that happens in interactions anyway. I, I hate to be like this, but you almost, it's almost impossible for someone not to judge you, right? I mean, you just think yeah. about now what happened with Roe versus Wade. It's shocking to me how many doctors support Roe versus Wade. I mean, the, um, the repeal of Roe versus Wade. A lot of doctors, a lot of doctors, because again, we, they were, they were, you know, whatever religion they were growing up Mm -hmm. and they have their own biases. And so you would think that everyone is open-minded and they're comfortable, but even at my medical school, because it was a Catholic medical school, they didn't perform abortions and the residents, actually the OB residents had to go to another facility to even learn about that because it wasn't, it's Catholic. So it wasn't allowed. And so even talking about them wanting to have that experience, apparently that was a big deal when that residency program had to allow residents who were interested to be able to go somewhere else because some doctors were like, why would you even care? Why would you want to do this? You know, I mean, seriously, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. um, When you think about the fact that we're human because doctors are human and we got our Mm -hmm. own hangups. So still tell your truth, be honest, because this is about you and you have to advocate for yourself. Even if someone else isn't, you know, isn't open-minded and hopefully at some point they will be but the the wonderful thing is especially even in georgia is decriminalized so you can't mm-hmm. get in legal trouble for it but yes. it is important for people to know and if they tell you oh you're not you shouldn't be doing that and you ask them why they probably will be stuck they don't know why because yeah. they just don't think you should so then you just keep it moving because the more honest too you probably can help them to understand that it's more common than they think yeah, I've learned. I've learned it's actually more common than I think. And a lot of my doctor friends do smoke weed. How about that? <laughs> yes, they do. A lot. Uh, when I say a lot, I mean a lot. A lot of them. A lot of them. I mean, why weed wouldn't they? they? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a healthy alternative. The fact that I don't get hangovers—that's just huge, right there. The amount of time that I used to waste just like trying to recover from drinking is such a waste to me it's and it's and it's such a toxic it has such a toxic effect on your body i mean alcohol causes so much you know so many complications it causes heart disease it makes your heart pump more efficiently it causes liver disease you know it's one of the major reasons that people even have you know liver failure it causes reproduction problems it could you know there is no fetal alcohol syndrome analogous to that and you know for for babies like right so you don't that you know it's again it's not good to probably do much of anything you're not you shouldn't do anything when you're pregnant right (laughs) because it's just at this moment you just have to sacrifice right yeah for the most part you know 
when you're not and you're just an autonomous human being doing what you need to do for yourself, then forget the judgment of other people. And that's yeah. what it down to. It's funny you mention, you know, babies and things like that. Cause I told, I was going to save this for Dr. Jackie. And I hope that I get a chance to have her on the show because <laughs> I introduced myself at BravoCon and I told her, you know, I tried to go really quick because there were so many people around, but I told her my story of, you know, I became a medical marijuana patient and I was able to get off my prescription medications, but then I got pregnant with my second child. When I went to my OBGYN to get my pregnancy confirmed, I told them the truth. You know, I, I thought about it, like, should I lie? But I told them the truth. And but you they, didn't know you were pregnant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. And, but then also I was like, but is it bad? I don't really know. And then I started looking into it and there, there's not enough research to show because it's unethical to do studies on pregnant women. So then it all came down to me, like doing my own one-on-one, like almost like uh, interviews with people who have experienced this. But regardless, I told Dr. Jackie how the OBGYN's response to me when I said, well, what am I going to do? Because I got off of all these these drugs that I know I can't take when I'm pregnant anyways. Like, so what do I do? And, you know, with my nausea and things like that, they they suggested Zofran, which is- Ginger, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I believe is, I don't know, maybe you know more. <laughs> you should, yeah. you probably know more than me. But I heard that it was known to give birth defects if you have too much Zofran. So it's, so the so when it comes to, in, what you said was exactly the point. It's all about what we know as a result of these are the people, you know, it's more about like observational studies because of mm-hmm. course you can't intentionally give someone something whether right. they're pregnant and see how that affects the baby. So they're like mercury. The reason we know mercury is bad is because of, you know, um, in Japan, there was this, unfortunately, this, you know, problem with mercury in the water. And then these babies were born with cerebral palsy like syndromes. And the same thing with fetal alcohol syndrome is just women who drank alcohol. The kids were born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And so, and then, you know, people who didn't have folate, there were, you know, neural tube defects. And so it's more about this, you go back and you look at what happened when someone was pregnant and look at these, did they do this? Did this happen? Did they have this? And then you see as a result of that, you know, of all these things, these, these lists, this is what the baby has. Did this person do this? Did they, did they do that? So you just don't know. And because yeah. of the fact that we're not actively, you can't actively experiment, the safest thing to say is don't do it. Don't do anything when you're right. pregnant. So, but when you do look at the list, you know, you look at all these people who have taken, for instance, like a medicine like Zofran or Tylenol, mm-hmm. you see that the outcome of was a normal, healthy, safe baby. And so mm-hmm. that's why that's kind of how they determine what's safe. But yeah. a lot of times they'll say it's just not, they're not sure. Like it's not. Yeah. So that's, so that's why for the most part is just do nothing, take nothing other than yeah. Tylenol, because that's not been proven to have really any, you know, negative effects in the baby. Or Benadryl. I or, think they said Benadryl is okay. Right. Couple, but, but that's what I'm saying is more about observation. It was not an active study. It was just, yeah. when you look at the, healthy babies you then ask mm-hmm. the moms when they were pregnant did they take this did they do that did yeah. they do this but like you said the question is going to be how many people are going to be honest about I smoked the whole time I was pregnant and now the baby is healthy that may come in 50 years because yeah. right now still there's such a still bias against it I think people mm-hmm. will not disclose it they're not going to disclose it in the next couple of years in 10 years it's not going to change that 
that belief. But this new generation has a very more, they're so different. And I'm sure the yeah. generation after that, there's going to be a lot of good data that's going to come and we're going to find out some things. <laughs> but in our, like, but that's, that's how, it that's just how it happens when it comes yeah. to science. But the safest thing at this point, still, whenever people are pregnant is to tell them to do nothing, you know? Yeah, and- no, I totally get that from a, especially if you're a practicing doctor, like, obviously you're not going to tell someone, oh yeah, do whatever. However, what happened to me when I went to confirm my um, pregnancy, the OBGYN threatened to call Child Protective Services on me if I came back in with THC in my system. And first of all, like, she scared me. I was like, whoa, like, you're threatening to take away my children. That's very hardcore. <laughs> and then on top I've of it. I've seen it done. I've seen it done. Well, I, think I that's- training, I've seen it done a lot. Yeah. And so I told Dr. Jackie and she said, yeah, we do that. And so then I started explaining to her, like, I, I understand like you would, especially if you're in a state where it's illegal. However, yeah. I started explaining to her that, you know, in New York and New Jersey, child protective services can no longer take away children from parents. And so at some point, you know, for all OBGYNs, I think this is going to become an issue if, you know, marijuana does become legal in their state, how are they going to proceed? So for my third pregnancy, I found midwives who were supportive because I just like could not do that again. I wound up going on prescription medication because it was too tough for me to just be completely off everything. And so for my third pregnancy, I found the midwives who were supportive. But what I also found was that the hospital where you deliver, it's up to their discretion and it's different state to state. County to county, everywhere. It real there's no protocol of like, what do you do when this happens? And so what I found was obviously they're testing black women and women of color way Way more more often. For sure. And I just I lost my mind. I was like, no, I cannot allow this. And so I fully prepared myself to go in there, deliver my baby, knowing that I had THC in my system. Again, like I don't recommend this for everyone. For me, it was a choice of like weighing out the benefit, you know, pros and cons. And, you know, my husband was supportive of it. The midwives were. So I was prepared to face any consequences, you know, if they wanted to test me. I told them when I was admitted, you know, I'm a medical marijuana patient and I wanted to, you know, like stand up for the voiceless and people who are, who don't have the means to hire a lawyer or to stand up for themselves in this situation. Cause to me, I've heard awful stories where women, they're not able to breastfeed their child, their newborn. So the law, they so get their children the, taken away. It's so the challenge. So the challenge for me, which when it comes to this is if it's legal anywhere, it should be legal everywhere. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean, now if you think about it from the Roe versus Wade standpoint, it's almost like we flipped, right? Because mm-hmm. so healthcare, what people don't know is healthcare is a state issue. Mm-hmm. And so people think it's a, things are federally protected, but when it comes to healthcare, that's not true. You know, quarantine, the way, you know, if something happens and you mm-hmm. get TB or something, police power is a state thing, right? So mm-hmm. it's not a federal thing. These, your, your health, your, your health powers are all controlled by your state government. Mm-hmm. But it's so frustrating because to me, if something is legal anywhere, it should be legal everywhere. It shouldn't be a different, you know, standard in Georgia than there it is yeah. in New York, 
right? And it's so frustrating because there are people sitting in prisons and jail cells for something that if they lived in another state, they would not be persecuted for. Right. And that's the challenge. And I, I don't know, um, that's not going to change because that's just the constitution. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. However, some things become such an egregious, you know, problem that they then intervene like Roe versus Wade did, but then mm-hmm. it got repealed. And so there are very few things that the federal government jumps in on, but it's so challenging because I don't know how we can continue to feel good about persecuting someone in one state for something that is completely legal somewhere else. And oh yeah, I, it just frustrates the hell out of me. And I don't know how to change that, but I do know that again, it's all about data and science. If something is safe and considered safe in Georgia, then why would it not be safe in New York or vice versa? And why would you put someone in prison for something that is completely legal if you lived a couple of miles away? It just is stupid to me. So that has opened my mind up tremendously. And I don't even know how to like reconcile anyone who doesn't think, I mean, I I was in the military, so I'm all about justice and I'm kind of a rule follower, right? Yeah. Um, But but yeah, so I I get it. I get that there are rules and there's, you know, anarchy is a problem. However, there definitely has to be some way for us to also use common sense at times. Yeah. And it just is so frustrating because it seems like common sense goes out the window because it's almost more than that. It's more of a like, this was beaten to me. You know, drugs are bad, yeah. don't do drugs. And I learned that growing up. It was the it was a mantra, you know. It was like that dare program. between the lines. Yeah, it's just yeah. the program that way. And so it was yeah. almost like deprogramming me and opening my mind up to like actually looking at science and data. And alcohol is way more toxic, but it's completely legal. Um, yeah, you and know, they're not and I, testing mothers for alcohol when they give birth. They're so, not. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so just hard. why are you choosing to test this? I don't know it's because just... of the law and that's what I'm saying is and we know we know this and it's still mm-hmm. it's just a lot of people are and that's the you know that's, that's kind of the point it's like the, the law has to change because a lot of people are going to always still be hung up on because it's the law and that's it yeah. because the law is the law and again being having been someone who was in the military I get it but you yeah. also have to use empathy yeah. and kindness and mm-hmm. this thing right here that God has blessed you with mm-hmm. and if it doesn't make sense yes. then it doesn't make exactly that's it mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and just we got to just lean back on the judgment and I think yeah. we'll be okay yeah well I want to talk about Chastain integrative medicine because I was looking at your website and I was like oh my gosh literally I could go here like every day <laughs> and just do everything that I want to do the IV therapy the yeah. facials, the um, muscle recovery. Yeah, all I love stuff. all of it. All yeah. of it. What is your favorite? Like, what? What do you? What services do you recommend for somebody new, a new patient? Well, this conversation that we just had is actually one of the things that I do with patients. I love the fact that I can do telemedicine and I can talk to people about their anxiety, their depression, and what I do actually is I will recommend recommend different sites like I will say this is what because again I can't prescribe things for you like you know but I will tell people these are the this is what the data shows right so yeah. I don't have cannabis but if you're in a <laughs> state that you can go and get some I can say these are the benefits and so I do I actually pretty open-minded when it comes to prescriptions and so sometimes I'll prescribe you know sometimes I'll prescribe you to change your change your diet 
and yes. get some more sleep. Sometimes I'll prescribe you to possibly, you know, look at the benefits of this and see if that's something. Because a lot of people will say, I don't want to get on a prescription medicine for anxiety. Well, right. I'll say, you know what? This also works. And so mm-hmm. I actually, in my practice, I recommend, and I'll say you can go to this website. Or if you're in, again, if you're in New York or you're in LA or you're in Missouri, then you can get what you need there. But um, without kind of getting in trouble, (laughs) but that's what, but I do, I under, I tell people what they can, what the options are. I'm pretty open-minded about that. And I talk about CBD and THC and I talk about that in my practice and I love it. So I I do, I I do more talking to people than anything because that's what most people need. Most people be able to talk about their symptoms and be honest and not have judgment. And then we can work through whatever they need. And I don't ever upsell people. I don't ever tell people like, oh, come get 30, you know, 30 different procedures or anything. I I really figure out what it is that brought them there. Yeah. I try to, again, like for me, you know, the reason I had sleep problems really was the anxiety. And so I try to get to the root of the problem and help them to figure out how we can then get to where we're having healthy, wealthy, strong, positive, beautiful lives that are full of wellness. I love that so much. And it's hard to find doctors like you who really are looking more holistically at everything and really trying to get to know your patients to find, Mm -hmm. like you said, the root cause of the issue. Because a lot of times, like as a health coach or whatever from Institute of Integrative Nutrition, What I found most is that people know how to be healthy. It's just, they don't, they can't follow through. They need like somebody to guide them through and like hold their hand and be like, no, this is okay. Try this and let's see how it goes. And it's just, it's refreshing to see a doctor who is so open-minded. So I just want to thank you so much for everything that you do. And I want to make sure that I tell everyone to go check out ChastainMedicine.com. Yes. And it looks like you can book an appointment with Dr. You Contessa. Can. You can book online. Absolutely. And I was going to say the other, my next kind of business venture is, I don't know if you've ever heard of those like wellness places in Arizona. I want to build one here. And so we're actually, that's one of the things that kind of, I, I'm hoping to Deepak Chopra this thing you know I want to create I think like uh, you know Queen um, Camilla just went to a place in India that's one of the places that like I'm using as my business model to create here but I want to create a place that you can come and you know decompress do some a sound bath do yoga you know have like an integrative appointment and sleep and go swimming and you know and oh my gosh. Just take a couple of days and just decompress and, and reset, recharge, okay. renew. And I, I really, I, there's a lot of wellness retreats that you can go to. And I, that's my next journey. Like, honestly, I feel like at this point on, it's all about like, what can I do? What can I give yes. back? How can I make everybody get to a place of inner wellness and peace? And the only way you can really do that is to sometimes allow people to have a reset. And I don't think yes. you should go all the way to Arizona for that. So <laughs> Come on to the dirty South and come see me. (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. So my mother's Korean. I'm the child of a Korean immigrant. And in Korea, there's a traditional thing called bathhouses. They have like Korean bathhouses. Yes. Yes. Have you been to one? I've been, so I went to Vietnam. I actually, the Navy took me to Vietnam. So I went to one in Vietnam. I love that. And there's, oh my gosh, there's a place in Miami that apparently like it's a spa. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. 
There's one in um, Jersey that I drive down to from New York, but I wonder if there's one near you because the Korean spa, literally, that's what I would do. I would take a whole day off from work, drop off my kids at daycare and then go and spend like the entire day there. And I didn't want to leave. There's like so many things. There's like a dry sauna area. There's a wet sauna area. Oh my God. I love and get a plant-based meal, have a nice plant-based meal, go walking in the rock garden. So we're looking for a property because the property, of course, has to have all the aesthetics that it needs yes. for you to have like that whole experience. And we're trying to make it where, again, it's not something that's going to be ridiculously expensive. It's not going to only be for the uber rich or it's going to be for the everyday person, right? You can come with okay. you and your, you can come with your husband, you can come with your girlfriend, you can come with your sister and you can come and recharge. You can come and reconnect and rebuild a relationship that's broken. I mean, so hopefully, and even if that relationship is with yourself. So that's what I'm hoping. That's what we're looking for. And that's, and I'll put my clinic there. So that's what I would love to do. And hopefully by then, maybe, you know, at that point, some other things will be legal and you'll be able to have some other experiences as well. So I'm not trying to get arrested. So, you know, but I'm just, that's what, that's what I'm looking for. That's the I love that so much. And then you can franchise your wellness center in all different states and you could just keep scaling and growing and make great. money that would be great <laughs> pass it on to my children's children so that would be oh, great and I they can live that. a life from birth of wellness because it is so tr- it's it's challenging it is it really is tough especially i mean i i actually do my best believe it or not i don't really get too much on social media and stuff because it is so toxic oh my gosh yes, toxicity and even letting all those voices and images and tweets and all that stuff in your head and the comments, it's just so, so mean, you know, it's such a mean world that we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. You almost have to get back to a place of simplicity. And that's yes. what I want to create, like a place where you just, you can just be you, you know, just, and just reconnect yeah. with you and figure out who and what that is. Yeah, that, that goes back to what you originally said, how you wake up and you say oh, positive yeah. things to yourself. It's like putting out good energy. And that's what I believe with social media too. Like I don't, I'm not down with toxic behavior online. Like we need to spread love and good energy and positive energy to each other. So, But you may just open it up and see someone get killed or someone get beat up and it's just too much. You know, that's it what is. I'm saying. It's just such a violent vile like place right now or it's probably always been but it's just directly you know infused in us and so there has to be some way for you to just tone that down and the only way I can see that I can do contribute to that is to create a space where at least for a short period of time you can you know come and decompress so that's my next journey but that's that's a probably a two-year thing so we're looking for yeah for the location and the land now so Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Contessa. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes and I just, you're always welcome on my show. Obviously I just love you to death. Thank you. And I was going to say, if anyone wants to know of a place to like start looking, if you don't believe um, about equity and all the problems that are kind of wrapped up in the messaging around pot, there's this book that I think is great. A book. Oh, yes. And it's written by a clinician. She's a psychiatrist. I who specializes in psychopharmacology. And I just think that this really was helpful for me, um, but it's called The Pot Book. So anyway, oh God, it's written by uh, MD. So it's, again, it's not just me. And if, again, be patient with your doctors, but we're trying. We're trying to get to a more open-minded space.